Dr. Vicki Simon was raised in Somerset, UK, and knew from a very young age that she wanted to be a veterinarian. She earned her veterinary degree from the Royal College in London in 2012, and immediately afterwards started a two-year course in Western veterinary herbalism. She took a position in an integrative small animal practice in the Yorkshire region of the UK, and then one in another similar practice in West Sussex, UK. She earned her MFHOM degree in 2019. In 2020, she opened her own holistic practice, Holistic Vet Vicky. She offers her patients nutritional consultations, Western herbal medicine, and homeopathy. She primarily treats dogs and cats, but also works with horses and other smaller animals. She also enjoys conducting educational seminars for animal owners. Please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Vicki Simon as we discuss her education, early practice experience, starting a practice during the coronavirus pandemic, and building her practice through client referrals and social media. Dr. Simon, thanks for taking the time to talk today. No worries. So where did you grow up? Um, So I grew up in Somerset, which is in the southwest of England. So lots of farming country and things all around it. Did you have a lot of uh, pets growing up? Um, we always had cats. My mum was big into cats. My dad was allergic, but he had to go through a series of injections. So he wasn't allergic. So my mum could keep her cats. Um, but then when we, uh, so we, I originally started when I was a baby in Surrey, um, but we moved to Somerset and when we moved there, so maybe when I was eight or 10, we finally got a dog, which had been what I'd been asking for my entire childhood. Um, and we had chickens as well. And at different points, we had some pigs that we raised. Um, and I was always spending weekends in stables riding and helping people out with different animals all around the place. So yeah, always absolutely loved animals. Oh, that's nice. So you got to riding early. Yeah, absolutely. And I wish that I did more riding now, but horses are so expensive that uh, it just doesn't factor into life at the moment. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you've got a young daughter. Are you going to encourage her to ride? Um, Absolutely. I definitely want her to be able to ride because even now, if I get the opportunity to ride, I always absolutely grab it um, because it's just being around horses, I just think is amazing. Even the smell just makes, takes me back to like childhood memories of riding and weekends at stables and just having a great time. I have to agree. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, When did you decide that you want to be a veterinarian? Uh, apparently when I was five, I uh, started telling everyone I was going to be a vet. So <laughs> quite early. Nice. Nice. Um, and where did you do your studies then? Uh, so I went to the Royal Vet College in London. And was that your first choice or only choice of places to go? Um, it wasn't my first choice. It was the only one I got into. Um I had originally wanted to go to Edinburgh because I just thought it would be really exciting to study up in Scotland and um, explore a different part of the country. Um, and then uh, I think my other choices, I can't remember what order they all were in, but I would put down Liverpool and Bristol. Liverpool because it has such a good horse um, area or section, or it did at the time. It was renowned for all of its horse medicine. Um and Bristol is just a cool city. So those are my four choices. But London was where I ended up. And it was it was absolutely great fun, actually. Good. I don't know the system over there. So uh, how, are you allowed to apply to every school and then just rank them? Or how does it work? No, you get four choices. And I don't and, think you can rank them, actually. I think you just put down four and then you see what happens. Gotcha. 
All right. So how, how big was your, uh, how many people were in your class? I mean, the class sizes are pretty big at the Royal Vet College because all they're taking is vets. The class mm-hmm. sizes are quite big. I think there was about 200 of us. Wow. And then um, that was for the actual lectures, but then for other types of learning, they split us into smaller groups. So we had um, like a little kind of tutor group that we would do some learning with. And then we had, when we went later on into rotations and things, you have a rotation group that you're moving around with. So they did kind of split everything off so that we had smaller class sizes for different learning with different teachers where it was easier to ask questions and get all of your specific an- questions answered. Sure, sure. But early on, you might were you sitting in a room with 200 people then? Yeah, yeah, in the lecture hall. Wow. Um, did you enjoy school? School or vet school? <laughs> yeah, well, vet school, I guess, yeah. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it, actually. I think the hardest bit was the transition from school to vet school. Because, and I'm sure other people will have had the same thing where at school you were used to being in the top, you know, 10, 20% of your class because in order to get into vet school, you have to be in that top percentage of the population in terms of like your grades and everything. Um, And then to transition to vet school where you're with all of those super intelligent people and suddenly you're kind of feeling a bit average. Um, and yeah, I, I, I found that quite difficult at the beginning. Um, and just like the amount of knowledge that you have to put into your head and kind of getting your head around this idea that all of that knowledge is there, but they know that it's impossible for you to remember all of it. So I remember when we had our first year exams and the pass mark was something like 50% and you think, well, that's quite low, but then you get out of the exam and think, oh my God, am I even going to get that? Because it's all so difficult. There's so much to know and you just have to put yourself out of knowing everything and just think, I just have to remember everything possible to remember and not worry about the fact that I don't know everything. It is, it is difficult, right? You're right. You know, you, you get into school because you're a high achiever, but then once you're there, you have to really, I think to stay mentally healthy, you have to set aside your expectations of having to do, get the best grades. Yeah, absolutely. You know, otherwise you just crash and burn. You can just end up panicking about not knowing everything and then it's impossible to get any more information in because your brain's in a state of panic. So you just have to like slog away and get as much in as you can and try not to uh, panic. <laughs> I, I, I know things are changing in education now and for a good, in a good way, because, you know, so many things we can just, that w- I feel like I had to memorize, which we can just look up, you know, it, yeah, absolutely. you know, to know the concepts, to, to walk away better with the concepts than the minutia would be a better way to go for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I always remember going back to school where your maths teacher used to say, oh, well, you're not going to have a calculator in your pocket. <laughs> Whereas now, what do we all have in our pocket? A phone oh, yeah. which has a calculator. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Did you get any exposure to holistic medicine in school? Um, I didn't, but uh, where I grew up is quite near to Glastonbury. Do you know anything about the UK? Yes. So Glastonbury is sort of like a hub and center for... Um, all things alternative and hippie culture and alternative medicine and holistic and wellness and all of that kind of thing. Um, And so I had quite a bit of exposure to that as a place while I was growing up. And so those concepts of natural medicine and natural living and everything like that. Did you go, as you went through school, did you think that uh, holistic medicine was something that you wanted to incorporate into your practice? I actually went to school wanting to later on do holistic medicine. 
Um, and I always had this idea that if I um, went through a conventional veterinary degree, then if I was then practicing holistic medicine, it would carry a lot more weight than if I just chose to learn about holistic medicine and animals itself, which is obviously completely true. Um, and at that point, I didn't know that you couldn't practice a lot of holistic therapies, you know, like acupuncture, for example, unless you are a qualified vet. I just had this idea that being a qualified vet and then practicing holistic medicine was a better way of doing it, which it obviously is. Um, and so, yeah, I had that and carried that through all the way through um, vet school. And that was quite difficult because in vet school, a lot of um, even the mention of holistic medicine is quite scorned. And I, I sort of had some questions laughed at a few times by um, lecturers and things when I would ask about holistic medicine. That must that must have been difficult. Same same experience for me. You know, it just wasn't talked about. And to even think that you'd bring up a question in that way would be difficult. Um what, I guess now that we're talking about, what do you think about, I, I'm, I'm kind of torn, you know, over here we have students that, uh, veterinary students that are in their last year that may go off and take an acupuncture course or uh, a chiropractic class. And I'm wondering, what do you think about, you know, becoming a good, a good veterinarian first, so to speak, and then taking the training? Or do you think it's something that if you'd had the opportunity to take training when you were a student or right after school, would you have done it? I mean, I did. That's what I did. So as soon as I finished vet school, I started a veterinary herbal medicine course. Um, so I was a little bit unusual. I, I almost um, decided to quit vet school because I got quite disillusioned with what I was seeing as a, a kind of industry. And the idea to me of being a peddler for pharmaceutical and pet food companies uh, was really not something I wanted to do. And that's what I kind of was beginning to see when I was seeing practice. Um, and it just wasn't at all what I wanted. And that disillusionment made me consider quitting. But I decided to stick with it because I thought with the vet degree, I could do so much more than I could if I just had part of a degree. Um, so I finished and then I started this veterinary herbal medicine course um, and took some time out working with in different animal places. And I went traveling and did some other bits at the same time as this herbal medicine course. Um, and then I decided that actually I should have a go at being a vet. And I actually rang all of the practices in the country that practiced holistic medicine alongside conventional medicine. Yeah. Um, and, uh, two of them were like, thanks, but no thanks. And then my first, the lady who ran my first job said, um, we're not really looking for anyone at the moment, but why don't you come up and see practice? So I went up and saw practice for a couple of weeks so that I could see how she used holistic medicine in her practice. Um, and after the two weeks, she said, you're not what we're looking for at all in the practice, but we all got on with you really well. And our clients seem to really like you. So do you want to come anyway and have a job and we'll see how it goes? Um, was, that your first, was that your first practice job then? Yeah. So that was my first practice job. Um, and I, they didn't do any herbal medicine. So I brought herbal medicine to the practice and started using it there. And my boss did um, homeopathy and acupuncture. And it was a raw feeding promoting practice. Um, and we did teeter testing and all of those kind of things. Um, and yeah, that was my first job. So I became a vet at the same time as I became a holistic vet. So I maybe have a slightly biased view to say that I think that that works. But generally... I think if students had an opportunity to study some holistic medicine while they were still at uni, then they would learn to have a much more holistic mindset when looking at cases. Because I think if you spend too long in the conventional framework, it's it's quite like, uh, right, we go down this path and then this path and this path and this path. 
if they have this, we give this drug. If they have this, we give this drug. Whereas I think as soon as you study any of the holistic modalities, you start looking at a slightly bigger picture with each of your cases. So you're taking everything into account. You're going, you know, like, what are they eating? What's their movement like? What's their environment like? How are they on a mental and emotional level? And you kind of, I feel like you get a broader way of looking at your cases. You ask more detailed questions to get to the bottom of things with the owners, because that's the way that the holistic modalities work more. So I actually think that would potentially be beneficial even if they decided not to pursue those holistic routes, it might just give them that broader perspective when they're looking at cases. And maybe they would then go on to have more success with some of the more complicated cases or some unusual cases where, you know, you end up asking the owner something and it turns out something's going on in their life. And it's that that's impacting on the dog and the dog's health or whatever it might be. That's a that's a very good idea. I think I'll have to agree with you there. So let's let's back up for a second. Tell me about this herbal course you took right out of school. Um, so it was like a CPD course for vets, um, but it was a, an introduction to herbal medicine. Um, and then you continue through and it was a basically like a not an official certificate, but you got a certificate in herbal medicine. Um, and I met quite a few of the other uh, herbal vets that are practicing in the, in the UK at the moment um, while I was doing that course. Um, and it was just absolutely great all the basics of herbal medicine and then some more intricacies. And we had this fantastic human herbalist as one of our teachers who talked a lot about um, uh, uh, endocrinoimmunology and like taking uh, this kind of psycho neuro part of it as well. So he always talked about PNEI, so psycho neuro endocrinoimmunology um, and how the brain can affect uh, the immune system and all of these other things. And he was just an absolutely fascinating guy. Um, and then he ended up moving to Canada. So he's now your side of the pond. Ah, so, um, did that kind of just ring with you having been a veterinary student and been, you know, immersed in the science? Did that appeal to your scientific side to, to have that sort of exposure? Yeah, absolutely. It appealed to like the two sides of me, to the scientific side and to, then to the kind of like alternative, uh, slightly hippie side, like it kind of brought those two together and showed how you can mesh them really well because we would look at you know we talk about the kind of you know the PNEI stuff with the medical herbalist and then we'd also be looking at you know studies about how herbs have been used in animal cases so it was a real like meshing of those two sides within my life um and it all just completely clicked in such a uh, more resonant way than a lot of the stuff that we'd learn at uni did it must have been a bit of a relief to when taking that course kind of feeling like you were in the right spot then in your life Absolutely. And I think the greatest thing about all of the holistic medicine courses that I've done is the people that you meet on them and then creating for yourself this network of people that view veterinary medicine in a similar way to you and that can teach you different ways to use those therapies within your practice and just have a huge impact on your life. And just knowing all of those people are there to speak with and interact with and see at future conferences and things. You just create this whole network for yourself that you would never have imagined having in the normal conventional medicine world. Oh, I have to agree. So do you remember how many, how many practices did you contact us to say, can I come by or are you hiring? Um, I mean, at the time, I think there was only three practices that did all conventional medicine, but also holistic medicine, because I obviously had to complete all of my 
you know, I can't remember what they call it, but the things you have to tick off on your list, all of your kind of day one skills that you manage to complete once you enter practice and record how you got on with them. And that's kind of like an extra bit to the degree that most people don't realize that you maybe have to do. Um, so I knew I had to be doing conventional medicine as well. So uh, yeah, there was only three practices that I could find that did both. So I was lucky that one took me on. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a sense of how many practices were out there that wouldn't have been able to accommodate you in that they were holistic only? I didn't look into it at the time. Um, but since I have met quite a few of those people who were doing that in the country. So I reckon there was probably between 10 and 20. Okay. Yeah. So greatly outnumbering the kind of the mixed oh, uh, tradi traditional holistic yeah, and I think, I think it can be quite difficult to do a mixture of the two because there are so few holistic vets in this country that there's a, a really high demand for them because owners want a lot of holistic medicine. And so if you're doing both conventional and holistic, then you haven't got as much time for the holistic medicine. So now in my clinic, I just do holistic medicine. And if I was trying to do conventional as well, I would hardly be able to take on any new clients ever. Because I get so many inquiries, whereas if I'm just doing the holistic medicine, then I'm, I think I'm able to take on and therefore help more people with holistic medicine than I would if I was doing a mixture. Makes sense. So let's talk about that first practice you went to. How many doctors were there? And you made the comment that they said uh, you weren't what they were looking for. What were they looking for? Someone more seasoned or, or yeah, fill in that? Yeah, more experience, basically. Um, they had, like I think a lot of holistic vets find, their clients um, care a lot about their animals and will do absolutely anything for them. And I think the owners that seek holistic medicine are very much like that. You know, you could tell them to do anything and they would do it. You know, like if you could roll your dog 10 times under a full moon, they would just do that. <laughs> Yeah. As ridiculous as it would be because they care so much and this practice had a lot of those owners and I think the um so it was just me and one other vet my boss and I think she was worried that her clients wouldn't be happy with having a new grad as the extra vet um but I managed to slot in and work around it anyway and obviously she would help me with difficult cases and I was because I was offering the herbs I was offering something different to what she was doing with just the homeopathy and acupuncture and I started learning acupuncture there so I managed to accommodate that and um, I'm quite personable I go out of my way to try and please my clients um, especially at that time when you're new to somewhere. And so I think I just managed to to get by despite not having all that experience that they were hoping for. Well, congratulations to you because that I, that's a difficult thing to come in as a new graduate, especially into a one doctor practice when people are used to seeing that person, you know? Yeah, they had had another vet there before and she was sort of looking for somebody, but she was hoping for somebody with more experience. So how long did you stay there? Um, so I stayed there for two years. Um, and then, uh, I wanted to move, uh, further South to be closer to my family. Cause that was up in Yorkshire. Um, and we had like a, a family bereavement and things. So anyway, I found a new job down in the South. Um, and this was in another integrated practice where my boss did homeopathy and acupuncture and natural feeding and teeter testing and things. Um, uh, so I got my second job there and my boss then he paid for my homeopathy training. So before I'd just kind of been picking things up as I went along, but he paid for me to do the full official um, MF HOM, we call it in the UK. I don't know what you have in America. Um, 
but yeah, he paid for that whole training and supported me through all of that. And I brought herbs to his practice. He hadn't used herbal medicine there before. So I was bringing quite a lot of things, but he provided a lot of extra training as well. So that was amazing. And I stayed there until I set up my own clinic. How many doctors were in that practice? Um, so that was, it varied between just me and him and three or four. We were always a little bit short-staffed. It was quite difficult um, to find new vets, particularly after, I don't know what you knew, know or knew about the kind of attack against holistic vets that happened in the UK with the RCVS. Yes. And, yeah. So you know about that. But when all of that happened, it became very difficult for him to find any more vets to work at the clinic because I think vets thought that if they worked at this type of clinic, then they would be kind of tarred with the holistic medicine brush um, and therefore they didn't necessarily want to take the job. That seemed to be the feedback that we were getting from recruiters and we just weren't able to find anyone else. Um, so yeah, between two and four vets. Did you, um, and you were still making connections even then through your homeopathy course, yeah? Oh yeah, absolutely. So what prompted you to, to want to start your own practice? I think it was just the stress of working for a long time in uh, a clinic that was always understaffed um, because we were always looking for another vet. And um, uh, my boss in that practice was also a game bird vet. So during the summer, he was out seeing game birds. So from kind of April to September, it was pretty much just me in the practice a lot of the time um, with someone else coming and going or occasionally we would have another vet working for a bit of time. Um, and that was just over a prolonged period that was took its toll on me. And um, it was the holistic medicine side that I really loved. And that's what I wanted to pursue. Um, and I'd always had this idea that I wanted to set up my own holistic medicine clinic. And I always wanted to come back to Somerset and the southwest of England, because that's what felt like home to me. Um, so yeah, then I just started looking at different options and discussing them with other vets that I knew whether I wanted to start up something with somebody else. And in the end, um, I took over one of my homeopathy teachers was, uh, sort of retiring from the veterinary side of homeopathy because he also treated people and he wanted to just continue treating people because it didn't have as much regulations as the veterinary world suddenly had with all of this kind of attack against holistic medicine. And, uh, he didn't want the practice to not carry on uh, um, providing holistic medicine to kind of this area of Somerset. There's a bit, there would be a big gap in some, in the kind of Southwest of England without somebody there. So I took over his clinic, his old phone number, his um, practice premises, and just set up myself as a, a new holistic vet in that same location. So, all right, so how far is your practice from the one you left? Oh, it's pretty far. Um, so it's probably three hours. That's a fair distance. Yeah. So you what you walked right into a clinic or a, to a practice that had an established clientele. That must have been nice. It was nice, and I was offering something slightly different because he just did homeopathy, um, whereas I was offering like a whole array of different holistic therapies. Um, but yeah, it already had a basic client base. People knew where he were, where he was, his phone number was out there. So I still get phone calls from people thinking that they're going to get through to him, but then obviously they're still have, they're still getting through to a holistic vet. So for them, it works for me, it works. But if my uh, facts are correct, your timing on, uh, starting the practice was a bit unfortunate in regards to COVID. Yeah, it was. But actually, I think it really worked in my favor, which is probably a weird thing to say for most businesses. 
But so I'd been traveling with my partner. I wanted to travel for a bit between jobs. And we were in India when COVID really kicked off. And we were in the middle of the, the jungle in Northeast India. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, uh, have you heard about the living root bridges in North? Yes. Yes. So yes. That's where we were. We were in this tiny village in the middle of the jungle. <laughs> and um, we d- kind of didn't really believe all this hype about COVID. We thought, oh, it can't be that bad. <laughs> um, but our families were like, look, it seems like it's pretty bad. And we think you ought to maybe come home. And we thought, well, we'll at least come out of the jungle because then we can be closer to public transport and everything. And then everything just rapidly escalated within a few days. And it was all like dramas. And then the airports were about to close and we had to get a two day train across India to catch a flight home. It was all a bit dramatic. Um, but then we got home and I, we didn't have anywhere to live and I'd been planning to set up the practice. So we didn't have any jobs or anything. We ended up staying at my parents, but because they'd relaxed all of the, um, uh, having to physically examine a patient in order to treat them regulations, I decided to just set up the business from my parents landing and I had a little desk there. Um, and I started doing video consults. Um, and I think holistic medicine of all the medicines lends itself quite well to video consulting because you ask so many detailed questions and most of the cases had already been examined by a conventional vet, had all of the medical tests done. So I had maybe a diagnosis or all of these, this history and physical exam and blood test findings and everything. And then I just was doing video consults so I could see the animal, I could chat with the owners and then I would post things out, um, and I did it like that for a couple of months before everything relaxed enough that we could come then to the actual location of the practice, get that ready to consult from, find somewhere to live and all of that sort of side. But yeah, I did masses of video consulting at the beginning and it made it easier for me to set up because I had a much a broader reach of clientele because I could treat anyone from anywhere around the country. Whereas now I have, I try and like keep a bit more to the Southwest where people can visit me ideally. Occasionally I'll remote consult still, but mostly I like to see a patient in person because it is much easier and you get to know them a lot better and the owners as well. Oh, sure. So, um, how did it go transitioning, um, the person that you, you purchased the practice from transit? Did you, did those clients transition into herbal medicine as well? So there, I think he kind of uh, didn't have that many ongoing cases um, by that point because he'd been kind of petering out his practice slowly anyway. So there was a little bit of a gap between when he finished and when I started. So there Mm -hmm. weren't that many crossover clients. And I do homeopathy anyway. So if they were already on homeopathy, then I just took over their homeopathy case and he would give me the history and we'd just carry on like that. Um, but most of the clients were new clients or new patients that he had never seen before, um, but maybe from clients that he'd seen before. Philosophically, is uh, how does it work for you doing uh, Western herbs and homeopathy together? Um, yeah, really well, actually. Um, I think particularly with some uh, owners, I think particularly with homeopathy, how well and successful it can be and how easy it is to choose a remedy depends on how well an owner knows their dog or cat or horse, whatever. Um, some people know them amazingly well. And you can ask very detailed questions, you know, like, um, what do you think they're trying to say with their bark? Or um, how do you think it makes them feel when X, Y, or Z happens? And, you know, they'll really tell you from as far as they can interpret what they think their pet is feeling or thinking. 
Um, whereas other people, when you ask those kind of like more detailed questions, they'll just say, I don't know. And if I get one of the clients that just says, I don't know to everything, then I'm more likely to give them herbs because herbs have a kind of, I kind of look at it like homeopathy. If you get the remedy right, it's perfect. It kind of fits like a small circle, whereas herbs are going to do something for a much broader circle. So they're kind of going to do something for absolutely any animal that you give them to, even if it doesn't resolve the problem. Whereas if you don't get the right remedy with homeopathy, it might just do nothing. That makes good sense. So if so, homeopathy is yeah. working or I'm struggling to find the perfect remedy because I'm not getting the right information from the owner, then I will always use herbal medicine. Um, and quite often I use them together. So for something like cancer, where I don't really mind which therapy works, I just want something to work because it's very serious. It progresses very quickly. It, the end stage is usually death to, uh, at some point down the line. Um, so I'll use, I'll use them alongside each other and I find that they work really well. Makes sense. So now that pandemic's somewhat over, you're back to doing really. So walk me through how, what, how many rooms do you have? What can, how big is your staff? What's your day to day like? Um, so my practice is really tiny. So it's literally just me. I do everything. Um, my actual clinic space is you come in off the street, there's a little waiting room, then you come into a kind of like tiny little hallway bit where there's a cupboard one side a toilet the other side and then past that is my consulting room it's like a nice big room it's got an armchair and a rocking chair um, and it's got a big like old wardrobe that I've put shelves in which has all my herbs and supplements in and then it has a little unit with a kind of small chest of drawers and a fridge and that's got my homeopathic remedies in and then I keep the teeth testing kits in the fridge um, and then I've got a big desk and then I sit on a, a like a yoga gym ball as my desk chair. And then there's like a nice blanket on the floor for the dogs. And that's literally the whole practice. So um, are you still doing some telemedicine along with? Yeah. So I, I have lots of clients that come from quite far away. So what I usually say to people is if you can come and see me for your first consult, I can meet you. I can meet your dog. I can get an idea of their personality, their energy. I can examine them. Um and then if they live really far away, we can continue doing follow-ups by phone. And then if I need to see them again because something dramatic has changed or the owner's worried or things aren't progressing, then they can come back. But yeah, I do quite a lot of telemedicine still. So you're posting a lot of things to go to the owners. Yeah, yeah. I post most of my medicine because most of my owners live further away than they want to just come and pick up some medicine. When you see a patient in clinic, um, do you send them with remedies and, and formulas right away or do you take some time to mull that over? How does your thought process work? It really depends on the patient. Um, uh, more often than not, I will send them away with something. It's the homeopathy that I usually like to take some time to have a think about if it's not initially clear. Sometimes it just it, it all just kind of slots together throughout the consult and I'll be working the case up as I'm taking the history as well in some cases. Depends how quickly the owner speaks. <laughs> um, and ideally, I like to send them away with something because I think owners feel better that way if they've got something to start off with um, and then something else will follow. But I always let them know what's happening. You know, like actually, I, I can't decide on a remedy straight away. So I'm going to have a think about it over the next few days and then I'll send everything out to you when it's ready. Are they, are owners good about... Um giving enough time to get refills together and getting and getting them back out as, uh, through the post? Uh, for the most part, yes. But obviously, sometimes you get people that are like, oh my gosh, I'm about to run out tomorrow. And you're like, oh, great. <laughs> 
But, you know, you can in the UK. It's not that difficult to do next day delivery on postage. Um, they pay for the postage. So if they're running really late and they want next day delivery, they just get charged more for postage. So I find it's not too much of an issue. Most owners are pretty good about it. Good. So how do clients find you now? Is it word of mouth from client to client or what's your relationship like with uh, traditional veterinarians? Um, so I would say it's mostly word of mouth or through Facebook. Um, I have quite a big uh, like Facebook following. I did lots of informative posts when I first set up the clinic. Um, I haven't been so good since I had my baby, um, but I think that's allowable. <laughs> um, and they get shared quite broadly. So I think a lot of people have found me through that and through different holistic owner groups that hear about me or have read about me and then passed it on to other people within that group. Um, some local vets will occasionally send things to me, but I think, you know, it's still because of all of the recent, it still feels very recent attacks on holistic medicine. Most conventional vets are less keen on it unless it's a case that they have tried everything and have no idea what to do next. And then they're usually quite happy for me to see it. Oh, sure. The, the, the same thing happens here. Do you feel like they, um, are, is there any hesitancy on their part to refer just again, because of the backlash that there's been? I think sometimes, and often they will say things to the owners like, um, oh, absolutely. You can go and see her, but you know, holistic medicine doesn't really work or something like that. Um, or owners will say to me that the way that they said it implied that they weren't that supportive of it, but they're not going to stop the owner either. Well, you've got a new baby now. Um, where do you see your practice going from here? I mean, at the moment, it's um, I'm about to go back up to two full days. I've been doing two half days so far. Um, and then next month, I'm going to go up to two full days. And then I'm just going to gradually build it back up to, I was doing four full days before. Um, so I'll just gradually be building it back up to that. There's always demand for holistic vets in the UK because there's just not very many of us. Um and I absolutely love yeah. what I do. So it's always going to be there as part of my life. Um, so I think just going to have to juggle small child and practice working for a bit. And then I can gradually get up to being able to help more people. Do you, uh, do you anticipate hiring help at some point? Before I found out I was pregnant, I was thinking about hiring somebody to just help with the admin side of it. So like answering calls, booking appointments, all of that side, which can be quite time consuming. Um, but I've kind of semi managed it by basically just asking people not to leave me answer phone messages anymore and just to email me because it's so much quicker to reply to an email than to call somebody back and spend all that time. So I've kind of managed to, with the reduced days, kind of manage the admin a bit more. But I think if I get back up to the full four days, then I would hire somebody to to help with that admin side of things. How about professional contact? Are you, I mean, the pandemic has kind of thrown a wrench and all that, but do you, do you maintain contact with other holistic vets? Oh yeah, absolutely. I have some good friends that are holistic vets. And uh, we also, so the um, British Association of Veterinary Herbalists, we have a uh, Facebook group, which is absolutely gold for all of us, I think, um, where if you've got a difficult case or a question about something herbal or anything like that, it's just a super friendly, useful, informative group. And we all just post a little post and then everyone gets back with their ideas about what herbs they might use or not or whatever it might be. And that's amazing. Um, and yeah, with homeopathy, I've got the uh, British Association of Homeopathic Veterinary Surgeons. We've got a conference in October. 
So yeah, I just look forward to all of those different meetups with all of the the other holistic vets. That's wonderful. So give me a give me a sense on popularity of those. Uh, just contrast Western herbalism with homeopathy in, in the UK as far as owner demand and and that sort of thing. Um, I think owners probably would happily take either. They just want something to help their pets. Um, but I think vet wise, there are much there are. Uh, I mean, I say much more <laughs> compared to normal vets, not much more, but there are more herbal vets in the UK than there are homeopathic vets. Yeah. And I think there's more herbal vets in training than there are homeopathic vets in training. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that homeopathy was at the heart of a lot of this, um, you know, a, a kind of mean talk about holistic medicine. And um, I think that's put a lot of people off. Sure. We had the same thing here a number of years ago. There was a, a push against veterinary homeopathy, and I imagine it's had a dampening effect on interest. I mean, I think you've just got to be really strong in what you believe in and in what you're doing if you practice homeopathy, because it's one of those things where everyone just thinks it's nothing because there's nothing of the substance left in the remedy. And I think until you're practicing homeopathy, because even I was a bit dubious when I started using it and studying it, but when you're practicing it and you're seeing these amazing changes that you can get with homeopathy, there's just no way it doesn't work. Um, but you have to be right in there and really believe in it so that when you get all of this bad talk going on in the background or people kind of scorn you when you say what you do, you just have to be able to to fight back against that and really believe in what you're doing. That's uh, That's really good advice. Well, Vicki, it's been wonderful to talk to you and get to know you and, and about your practice. And I certainly wish you good luck going forward. And and uh, I'd love to meet you in person sometime for sure. Oh, well, I'm sure at some conference in the future, we'll, uh, we'll manage to get together. <laughs> that would be awesome. Thanks for your time. And it was uh, good to talk. No worries at all. It was lovely to chat. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. ZIVT provides world-leading education in natural medicine, including three accredited postgraduate qualifications, industry-recognized certifications, and a wide range of evidence-based courses and webinars delivered by qualified and experienced practitioners. By bridging cutting-edge science and tradition, CIVT helps you to expand your treatment options to tackle your most challenging cases. And whether you're a veterinarian veterinary technician or nurse, animal health professional, or someone who wants to learn more, they have the right course for you. Investigate their offerings at civtedu.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take the time to tell a friend and to give us a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you next time.